morning, friends. Happy Malaysia Day. Today, I have no control of my slides over here normally. But today, because of something of the setting, I have to depend on David uh, right at the back. Well, it is always a pleasure to speak the Word of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning that we can come and worship you on this Lord's day. I, I pray, Father, that you will use my voice to speak your words, to be an instrument of yours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This is something that uh, a friend of mine sent me through WhatsApp. And I find it interesting, which is something related to what we are going to, uh, what I'm going to share, share with you, the Word of God. And the story goes like this. Abdul grew up in Kota Baru, a town located in the, on the east coast of Malaysia, and then moved away to Kuala Lumpur to do his old law degree. After graduating, he decided to go back to Kota Baru because he could be a big man there and thereafter wanted to impress everyone. And so he returned and opened his new law office. The first day, he saw a man coming on the sidewalk. So that must be a new client, he thought to himself. He decided to make an impression, big impression of this new client when he arrived. And as a man came to the door, Abdul picked up the phone. He motioned a man in and all the while he was talking. So he got a man to sit down. And that's what he was trying to say over the phone. No, absolutely no. You tell those clowns in Kuala Lumpur that I won't settle this case for less than one million ringgit. Yes, the appeals court has agreed to hear the case next week. I'll be handling the primary argument and all the other members of my team will provide support. Okay, tell the state prosecutor that I'll meet with him next week to discuss the details. So this conversation went on for about five minutes while the man sat patiently and waiting for him to finish the call while Abdul rattled on. Finally, Abdul put down the phone and then turned to the man. I'm sorry for the delay. But as you can see, I'm very busy. What can I do for you? Of which the man replied, I'm from Telecom Malaysia. I've, I've come to reconnect your line. <laughs> Today our topic is on basically communication. Pastor gave me three passages. And he said, you can actually use only one passage. So I decided to take a challenge and put all the three together and I'm linked them under the, under the theme of communication. And so that's how we are going to look at the three passages which have been read by uh, Dr. Chan. Okay. <clears throat> the three passages I've divided into three themes. The main, the main title of this sermon today is A Time for Everything. Now, there is a time to stand up, as I'm now doing. There's a time to speak up, which I'm doing. And there's a time to shut up afterwards at the end of the service. 
<coughs> so let's look at a time to stand up. In the passage that was read, Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus headed out for the village around Philip, Caesarea, Philippi. And as he walked, he asked, what do people say I am? So here we are told that Jesus took his disciples to a place called Caesarea. And you notice that Jesus took, him, took them there before he faced his death in Jerusalem. And it is very significant for the disciples. I also like you to refer to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? This is a map to show you where Caesarea is. Now, Caesarea is right at the slope of Mount Hermon. <coughs> the, 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 what I call the blue spot is, shows you the snow, snow-capped mountains. And near, in red, is Dan. Dan is the, what I call the city that was built at the time by King Jeroboam. So, Caesarea is there. But what is so special about taking his disciples to Caesarea Philippi? One, Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi is a place where the Jews were avoid. You can imagine disciples shocked. Jesus, you are taking us to this place of all the places, Caesarea Philippi? So, what is so unique about Caesarea Philippi? Because it's a place of temples, idols like Baal. In fact, King Jeroboam, King Jeroboam is the one, his sin was a sin of idolatry. King Jeroboam was the one who led the people to idolatry, to idol worship. In fact, he repeated what the Israelites did in Mount Sinai. While they were wandering in the wilderness, remember, he built not one golden calf, he built two golden calves, one at Bethel and the other place at Den. Can you imagine that? Because of him, Israel turned to idolatry at that time. And God definitely was not pleased. And so, God's punishment was there, you see. The nations will come over and occupy and invade Israel. And that's where you have the Greeks and the Romans. And the Greeks and the Romans brought along their idols, their gods. And one of the Greek gods is Pan, P-A-N. Most of you may be familiar with a Pan, Pan flute, you know? Normally, the, the people from South Africa like to use a Pan flute. It's named after Pan, actually. And Pan god is half goat and half human. Can you imagine? They were all idols. Uh, this is a drawing of the sanctuary of Pan, the temple on your right, on your left. <coughs> Those were the temples which were dedicated to Pan. And that cave, the second photo, is the cave of Pan, known to the ancient world as the Gate of Hades. Some people call it the Gates of Hell. Uh, we call it the Gates of Hades because <coughs> uh, Baal will go down there we go inside there once in a year during the spring and stay there. So that's why they call it the gates of hell. And the question that was asked by Jesus is this, who do the people say that I am? Of course, they are very quick to answer. Who do people say? I know, I can say who said that. I think we are very good in that, right? Who said this, who said that? We are very good in speaking about people. And so they say, some 
John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. The question today, friends, is this. Uh, to us, if the question is posed to you, who do you think people say about Jesus Christ? A good man, a religious teacher, historical person, a, a prophet? What do we say to them about Jesus Christ? So that was a question that was posed to, the, <coughs> to his disciples. And then he posed another question. Now, not what people say about him. What do you say about me? So what are you saying about me? Who am I? And Peter, you sure, the person who likes to talk, who likes to speak, he's very first, very, he, he's very what I call the, uh, impromptu. <coughs> Peter gave the answer, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And I like, I like, I like the, the verse in uh, Matthew, which says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, why I like Matthew 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 16, is because why? Those idols there were dead in Caesarea Philippi. They were at the caves of Pan. Dead Greek God, Greek Roman God. They are all dead. So when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Friends, is our God dead? What will we say to Jesus when we meet him one day? When we see him, will we declare, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for that, Jesus replied, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On this rock, now the whole place there, you see, Cecilia replied, just now you see the rocks there. And Jesus used a very good illustration, very appropriate to teach his disciples. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That means what? You see, gates are normally built for protection, for defense, right? For defense. And Jesus said, even the gates of Hades will not be able to defend themselves. Will not. So like, this is something that we need to know, to realize, friends. Are we always on the defensive as Christians? Or are we on the offensive? And here Christ is actually telling, hey, you have to be on the offensive not the defensive. Even the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Wonderful. We sang the hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Rock is used many times for God. How does Jesus show us example? By standing up. To stand up. He stand up to the test, the temptation in the wilderness, for example. Jesus stood the test. Jesus stood the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. How about us today? Can we stand up to the test 
Can we stand up to temptation? Temptation is all around us. It is easily to be tempted. Can we stand there? Can we stand the hypocrisy of the world? Can we stand it up? Who else stood up? For God. Queen Esther. Now, Queen Esther married the king of Persia, Sixers. There was a plot by Haman to kill all the Jews. At this, you can go back and read Esther chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. To annihilate, to destroy all the Jews. And Mordecai, a relative of Esther, then came to Esther and pleaded with Esther, please do something, speak to the king. In those days, if you want to speak to the king, you must have permission. If you don't have permission, you'll be killed instantly. And king and queen Esther said this to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. What a great commitment. If I perish, I perish. This is a message to us. Will we say like Queen Esther one day? Will we be able to stand for God? If I perish, I perish. And you know the whole story. The Jews were all saved through Queen Esther who stand up for God. There was a final sermon said by John Ting, who was at his deathbed. He was an Episcopal Church revival preacher. And he was asked, what can you say to us before you breathe your last? And he said these words, let us stand up for Jesus. Let us stand up for Jesus. And John, uh, George Duffield, who was there, was what called have this what I call the inspiration to write this hymn, stand up, stand up for Jesus, which we shall sing as our hymn of dedication. And let this be a commitment when we sing this hymn: stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Will we stand up for Jesus when the time comes? Where's the response to the world? Will you stand up for Jesus in a hostile world? When people even try to destroy your faith, they criticize you about Christianity, will you be able to stand up for Jesus? Now, we cannot be sitting down to stand up for Jesus. We are not sitting down. Because him is not saying, sit down, sit down for Jesus. No, you stand up. And even if you are standing up, are you standing still? You know, when you are standing still, you are not move. There is no movement. No movement means no action. We got to stand up and move, not standing still. And that's what we need to do. A time to stand up. There is also a time to speak up. It's from Psalms 19, verse 1 to 4. How does God speak to us? God speaks to us through His creation. God can speak to us non-verbally, <coughs> without even speaking anything, any words. But God also speaks to us through His words. So how does God speak to us? 
the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the sky display his craftsmanship. Wow. <clears throat> Tonight, if the sky is clear, now last week is the sky in the morning, early in the morning. I go for a morning walk early in the morning, and the sky is clear because why of the rain? It washes all the pollution and all the clouds. And I can see the stars in the sky, in the dark sky. Now, here you can see only a few stars. If you go to Arizona, I was in Arizona in April this year. And I was taken by my cab driver who took me to go and buy uh, some souvenirs. And at the same time, he took me for a tour. He said, I will take you for a tour. I said, where? He took me to Paradise Valley. Now, if you're in Arizona, it's go to Phoenix, not far from there. You go to Paradise Valley. I, as I saw, as he drove me there, I said, how come? There are houses there and they are all empty. Why do these people build the houses there along, uh, uh, what do you call that, by the side of the mountain? He said, you don't know. They come here for summer. And what? And then what do they come here for? Well, they come here and look at the beautiful skies, the stars in the sky. Because at that place, there are no street lights. Street lights are bent so that they can see so clearly the stars in the sky. Wow, it's wonderful. How do people respond when they see the stars in the sky, the moon, the sun. For those who don't believe in the one true God, you know what? They are just awed by the beautiful sun. Oh, it's a beautiful sun. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. But then for us, we are awed by the handiwork of the creator God. It reminds us of God, the creator. Those who don't believe God, they worship the creation. So they, they worship the sun. They worship the moon. They worship the stars. But we don't. We worship God in his creation. Those who don't believe in the one true God, they turn to the horoscope, the star signs. How many of us got to read the star signs before you come to the church today? I don't think so. You will do that. But we turn to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's what we need to do. Not only that, Psalms 19 verse 2 says this, day to day, pause, pause, speech. God doesn't have to speak. Only the, the sight of His creation is speaking to each one of us every day. And we take that for granted. You say, oh, yeah. how many times have we looked at the moon? Only one day. You say, oh, full moon. Ah. Wow, how come so surprised? Today only you see the full moon. Last two days, I saw the sun. It was so bright, quite light. Wow, I see, I've never seen such beautiful sun in my life. Because why? The clouds are clear because of the rain. Day to day, pause for speech, and night to night, reveals knowledge. That's why we got the knowledge of God. So it's God's unspoken speech. Pour forth. Pour forth means coming out like fountain, like a spring. It's pouring forth to earth each day. God is trying to speak to us. And God is making himself known to us in that way. Wherever we are, we see the sun, the, the sun, this is a sunset in different places. First one, <coughs> in Malaysia. The second one, the Taj Mahal in India. The third one, right at the bottom, right on your left-hand side at the bottom, is in Africa. And then, the last one is when you are on the Grand Canyon, you see the sunset. People all over the world, wherever you, they are, they will see the sunset. 
And I'm sure that one day, uh, you will take a opportunity to go have a dinner near the beach and wait until the sun sets. Our value is awesome. It's beautiful to look at the sunset. And we, we give glory to God for His creation. Psalms 19 verse 3 says, well, There is no speech, no language, where their voice is not heard. So God is speaking to us, actually, through His creation. You know, the astronaut John Glenn is the only astronaut who has been there twice. And not only that, his second trip to, the, to, to outer space when he was 77 years old. Can you imagine that? He was the first man, American, to go into space. Yuri Gagarin, the Russian, flew to outer space. And it was said that, he said these words, but he can't return. I see no God. When he was in outer space, he said, I see no God. Wow. But John Glenn was different. John Glenn says these words. To look at this kind of creation out here and not believe in God is impossible. It's impossible. And so those astronauts who are, you know, at the space station, every day they see that. Day and night, we see the sunsets, we see the sunrise and so on. What Romans tells us, uh, there is no excuse uh, if we do not know the Creator. Because why? He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So nobody is, is, is without the, the excuse to say that. So God is only worthy of our worship. God is worthy. That's why we sing, this is my Father's world. We talk about God's creation. Question is, are you dazzled by the glory of God or by the pursuits of this world? You now we see somebody's wow, house. Wow, we are dazzled, let mention. Why are we dazzled by the glory of God? How God also spoke to us through his words. Now we talk, we, we, we learn about God also did not speak anything. Through his speech, no speech, no voice. But then you see, God also spoke through his word in Genesis 1:1. And God said, let there be light. God said, here, God spoke. Now here we see God spoke. Let there be light, and there was light, and it happened. You look at this one. Uh, my, somebody sent to my wife, so I said it's a very interesting one. Uh. Here, nobody spoke. Can you imagine that? And then they call it happy family, uh, no quarrel. They don't even communicate with each other because everybody, grandfather, grandmother, how many generations there? Our response to the word, friends, is will you speak up about your faith? Will you speak up for Jesus Christ? When you have the opportunity, will you take the opportunity to speak up? Will you be the message rather than the, be the messenger? Now we are told we are going to speak, yes, 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 go. Let us be the instrument. But what is more important is what? Are you the message? Message means, when you say, are you the message, it means what? Do you show the image of Christ in your life? You are then the message. Dr. Kusas and Barry Posner, I met them in uh, San Diego. <coughs> and both of them taught me this law of leadership. They call it the Kusner-Posner law of leadership. And it goes like this. If you don't believe the messenger, you don't believe 
the message. I repeat, if you don't believe the messenger, you don't believe the message. You can talk a lot of things, but then if you are not, the, you are not showing an example, nobody will believe you. And we know the Samaritan woman speaks up for Jesus. Remember the, the woman at the well? When Jesus spoke to her about <coughs> the living water that she will never thirst again, and she got the living water, and you know what she did? She went back to the village and what? Told everybody what Jesus has done for her. And because of that, you know, if you read the Bible in, uh, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 4, verse 39, many believed because of her testimony. Yes, friends, people will believe the Lord Jesus Christ through our testimony. There's a time to stand up. There's a time to speak up. And there's a time also to shut up. To shut up, let me tell you, let me sh share with you this story. To shut up. Again, one of my classmates sent me this through WhatsApp. And the story goes like this. After a tiring day, a young lady settled down in her local train seat and closed her eyes. So she was sitting down there. And then, as the train moves, there was this guy sitting next to her. And he, what he did was he pulled out his cell phone and started talking in a loud voice. Hi, sweetheart. It's Raja Ram. I'm on the train. Yes, I know it's 6.30 and not 4.30, but I had a long meeting. No, honey, I was not with Pretty from the accounts office. I was with the boss attending the meeting. No, sweetheart, you are the only one in my life. Yes, I'm sure, dear. Fifteen minutes later, he was still talking loudly. And this woman was very annoyed sitting next to him because she couldn't sleep. And so, you know what she did? She leaned over and said into the phone, Rajaram, darling. Hang up the phone and come back to bed. <laughs> now, Rajaram is back from hospital and doesn't use his cell phone in public any longer. He does not know how to shut up. Speech rate. The rate when we write is 30 minutes per minute. When we type on a keyboard, a computer keyboard, it's 50 words. Texting. 60 words. <coughs> Speaking, 150 words per minute. You see that? Wow, we are very clever to speak. So fast. Uh. How many times? Uh? Five times writing, five times texting. You see? <laughs> the tongue is unique. God gave us this instrument, this organ. Very good. Uh. No need for batteries. No need. Don't worry. No need to charge, no Wi-Fi, no auto roam or data plan for sub 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 uh, subscription. That is the power of the tongue. And so, you see, you may have heard this, that men speak 7,000 words a day, women 20,000 words a day. <laughs> I tell you, friends, this is not true. <laughs> this is not true because why? Studies, recent studies showed in, uh, in, the, by the, in the University of Arizona by Matthias, 
If Paul and women spoke 16,215 words a day, while men spoke 15,669. So it's almost 6,000, not significant. They are almost the same. That's why you see, when I, when I went home, three days continuous day, I had to speak at seminars and conferences. I went home, and my wife was very excited, and she told me this, hey, you know, uh, today I do a lot of things, you know. I called uh, the electrician uh, to fix the, the porch light, you know. And then, you know what, I, I, I called the plumber to fix the, the, the leaking sink, you know. Well, if not, uh, the plumber said uh, it's going to explode and then the water will gush out. And then she waited. I spoke nothing. <laughs> it's not because I have no, uh, I have, I've made up my, uh, I use up my quota. It's because I'm too tired to speak. James tells us this, uh, we can control the movement of the horse using the bits, but you're putting bits in the mouth. We can even control a big aircraft, the aircraft, what you call that, uh, the, what you call the aircraft carrier, by using what you call the rudder. That's what James tells us. And not only that, let's see, <coughs> a fire, like the California fire in 2018, was set up, was set up was by an arsonist. He set the fire. And because of that, he put 20,000 people under evacuation. That's terrible. So, friends, the tongue, the tongue can be a very dangerous organ. And so let's say, you see, the, the Bible tells us uh, in James 3, verse 6, the tongue is of fire, world evil, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. That's why we say the, the tongue uses negative words, pride, lying, gossip, slander, anger, half-truth. Wow, that's terrible. You see, sometimes we are not encouraging in the use of our tongue. Dr. Dr. what do you call that, uh, Postner and Dr. <coughs> uh, Barry shared with me this. He called it PNR. I said, what is PNR? He says what? Positive-negative ratio. Means what? For every negative word that you speak each day, you must have three positive words. It must be compensated by three words. So it's what? One negative, three positive. It's called it a positive-negative ratio. Bible warns us, uh, every idle work that we speak, uh, we shall give account uh, in the day of judgment. So before you, before you put your mouth in motion, uh, put, get your heart in gear. Because why? There is a relationship between the tongue and the heart. It's a problem or not of the tongue, no. It's a problem of the heart. Why is it somebody gossip against another one? Because why? She or she is jealous of that fellow. So I gossip, uh, I tell all the bad things uh, about the person. So you go back, the root cause is the, is the heart. It's the, not the tongue. So if we want to control our tongue, we have to control our heart. It's the heart that is important. That's why in Leo again, Luke's Gospel, a good man brings good things out of the, of the good, stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We've got to examine our heart before we speak. And that's why, you see, every time we, we start a sermon, we say Psalms 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth... Now, this is not only just uh, for preachers. Uh, you also have to say this. Uh, 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Please remember these words. So friends, there is always a time for everything. A time to stand up, a time to speak up, and a time to shut up. Which is the hardest for you? Standing up, speaking up, or shutting up? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your words. We know that there is always a time for everything, a time when we need to stand up for you, a time when we can speak up for you, and a time when we have to shut up. We pray, Father, that these words will remain in us. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. After which then, uh, Brother Chong Jin will lead us in the benediction.